Hi, I'm Gavin Givanoni. I'm Professor of Neurology at Barts and the London School of Medicine and Dentistry. And I'm doing a research post on a new publication that has just come out. Um, and this is uh, a, what we call a post-talk after the event analysis of some very detailed MRI data from the natalizumab in secondary progressive or ASCEND uh, trial. And what the study basically shows that uh, in the overall population, if you interrogate the um, brains of people with secondary progressive multiple sclerosis, those that have evidence of chronic active uh, lesions, particularly those that have the so-called slowly expanding lesions, which we know are destructive and are destroying not only myelin, but the nerve fibers or the axons in the lesion, are associated with worsening disability. So people who have chronic active lesions in their brains or slowly expanding lesions are much more, more likely to become disabled. Now that's probably not a new finding. You know, we have evidence from primary progressive uh, studies. We have evidence from other relapsing studies, other populations that uh, these chronic active lesions detected not only with MRI, but also using uh, so-called positron emission tomography or PET scans uh, also predicts poor outcome. I think what the real finding about this is, is that natalizumab uh, had an impact on these chronic active lesions and cells and reduced them from getting, uh, reduced the impact. Uh, in other words, natalizumab is effective against some of the pathology we think that drives so-called smoldering or real MS. And that to me is a major insight because, you know, we actually thought that smoldering multiple sclerosis needed additional therapies because the way natalizumab works is it's like uh, um, blocking the Velcro that white blood cells need to stick to the blood vessels to cross over. It's what we call an anti-trafficking uh, agent or a selective adhesion molecule inhibitor. And the fact that natalizumab actually works in smoldering MS means that some of the smoldering MS must be driven by peripheral inflammation. In other words, inflammation coming from the white blood cells crossing the blood band barrier. So this is absolutely a pivotal point uh, that some of the smoldering pathology we've seen is driven by peripheral inflammation. And therefore, we have to have to continue to use potent anti-inflammatory therapies as the first uh, or the bottom of the pyramid to tackle smoldering MS before we add on top of that remyelination, neuro, neuroprotective and neurostorative therapies. So that's uh, a really, really important thing. So you're going to ask me then, why isn't um, now Luzumab licensed uh, for secondary progressive disease if it's so, this data is so compelling? And I have to be honest with you, uh, when it came to the ASEN trial that uh, that was designed by Biogen and the uh, steering committee Biogen had on the trial. I think they shot themselves in the foot. The study was far too short for that primary outcome uh, to deliver an answer. Uh, or they should have used a different uh, a primary outcome if they wanted a readout in two years. I remember very well trying to lobby uh, various people within Biogen, including the chief executive officer at the time, to extend the trial by a year, you know, make it a three-year trial but um, my appeals fell on deaf ears. <laughs> and the reason why it was negative is because of this uh, thing called therapeutic lag. Um, so I think if you've got multiple sclerosis, you've got to realize that what drives particularly more advanced disease, uh, you may be labeled as having progressive MS, be it primary or second progressive disease, but what's driving worsening now 
is not uh, inflammation now, it's inflammation in the past. Uh, and we know that it takes, particularly in more advanced disease, uh, you know, a year or two, even longer to see a treatment effect. So if you switch off inflammation now, you only see the treatment effect in the future. Because uh, what you're seeing in terms of worsening is from the inflammation you've had in the past few years. And this is the whole concept behind therapeutic lag. And it's pretty evident uh, that therapeutic lag is a major problem in the MS space. And the important thing about the ASEN trial is they recruited over almost two-thirds of the patients, well over 60% of the people really had quite a lot of disability in their lower limbs. They needed a walking stick or two walking sticks. So they were 6 or 6.5 on the EDSS. And therefore, they really lost so much reserve and so much capacity in the lower limb function that it's very difficult to see a treatment effect extremely difficult to see a treatment effect. And as predicted, the ASN study was negative on lower limb function at two years. The EDSS didn't show a readout, nor the time 25-foot walk. But as predicted, the uh, impact uh, was positive. The trial was positive on upper limb function using the nine-hole PEC test. And the reason for that is that MS affects the nervous system uh, at different rates and at different intensities based on the length of the nerve fiber. So the longer the nerve fiber, the more likely it is to get hit multiple times by MS lesions, the more likely it is that you degenerate first. And that's why you see in progressive MS uh, weakness and uh, problems starting in the legs before the arms, and it's length dependent. So built into the nervous system is a protection for shorter uh, systems. Um, and I like to think of this as um, being asynchronous. In other words, although you may be progressive in your lower limbs, you've still got good function in your upper limbs and this is why we need to shift our attention in people who have more advanced disease like lower limb function uh, gone into trying to protect upper limb and swallowing and speech cognition eyesight all those other things that are still there to protect and uh, this is a really important message to get across that we shouldn't write off people because they've lost lower limb function or about to lose lower limb function we should say yes we still can modify potentially the disease processes that are affecting or impacting on the other components of the nervous system. What you probably don't know is uh, in the ASEN trial, when you look for confirmed disability improvement, in other words, getting better, people on natalizumab had a higher rate of disability improvement than people on placebo. And I think the reason for that is, is when you suppress inflammation, you either encourage endogenous or self-repair, and so there is some ability for people with more advanced disease to recover. Also, the people on nanolizumab flattened their neurofilament levels, whereas people on placebo didn't. And so there indicates, even in this more advanced secondary progressive population, ongoing inflammatory activity based on neurofilament levels. I think neurofilament levels, which are a biomarker of uh, neuronal or uh, the damage, um, or an inflammatory marker, and the fact that nalizumab actually can reduce those significantly in a more advanced population like the ASCEND population suggests that there is ongoing inflammation and it's modifiable. So, yes, I am absolutely convinced that natalizumab works in secondary progressive multiple sclerosis. Unfortunately, because the primary outcome at two years in the ASCEND trial was negative, the drug can't get licensed by uh, regulatory authorities. So what do we do? So I would try and challenge Biogen to go back uh, and do a, an ASCEND2 or an ASCEND hand trial uh, to see if natalizumab can impact on upper limb function in people with multiple sclerosis and get the drug licensed for 
and the more advanced secondary progressive disease. And we're doing this with oratoria hand, which is ocrelizumab in primary progressive MS. And in charity MS, a study where we're using oral cladribine in people with more advanced disease. And the primary outcome of both the oratoria hand or a hand study and the charity MS study is trying to protect upper limb function, which we assess in the trial using nine-hole pick test coordination and fine motor movements of the fingers. Um, I mean, a lot of people would say, well, you know, should we be using natalizumab because the risk of PML? Uh, I think, yes, you know, PML is a relative risk. We can de-risk it a lot now by using the index, JC virus index. The higher it is, the more likely you are to get PML. We can also do extended interval dosing that reduces the risk by about 85 to 90%. And also, as you are aware, PML, progressive multifocal leukemia encephalopathy, is caused by a virus, a so-called JC virus. And... Um, the virus and PML are biological problems. So in the future, we may have effective therapies that we can give to somebody, declare them of the virus before they go on to natalizumab, or we could treat the PML and stop them getting worse. So I don't think we should let the issue of um, uh, the JC virus PML problem put us off using natalizumab or follow-on natalizumab-like compounds um, in the future because we will potentially solve the problem of PML. And, uh, you know, when you've been around for a long time like I have and you get and you see how effective natalizumab is, particularly when used very early in MS, you kind of want to know, you want it to be around. Uh, and so, yes, I would encourage Biogen or any other company developing uh, natalizumab-like compounds to please go ahead. Anyway, the implications of the therapeutic lag and length-dependent axonopathy um, uh, uh, model of multiple sclerosis is that we've been doing our clinical trials, particularly in progressive disease, incorrectly for decades. And I think we've thrown out many babies with the bathwater because when you interrogate other trials in progressive disease, even the interferons, even capaxone, even methotrexate, um, we saw uh, therapeutic lag and this uh, impact of these agents on upper limb function. So yes, I personally think we've had effective therapies for uh, progressive disease uh, for decades. It's just that we did our trials uh, incorrectly and we didn't apply insights uh, that we, we knew about how progressive disease evolves. I say we didn't apply it because what I'm talking about is not new. You know, I've just popularized this concept of length-dependent axonopathy. Uh, but Kurtzke, who invented the EDSS scale, identified that issue back in the 1960s. So these are not new ideas or new concepts. They've been around for decades, but just were ignored. Were ignored. Anyway, I hope you um, appreciate the importance um, of studies like the ASCEND or natalizumab in secondary progressive MS trial. Even though the trial was negative, we're still learning an enormous amount from the trial by doing post hoc analyses like this study. Um, and insights from this obviously will inform trials going forward and future development of new therapies. So there's always a lesson to be learned and possibly a bigger lesson to be learned when we have negative trials, asking the question, why was this study negative? And my take uh, on this is it should never have been negative, this study. It should have been better designed and we would have had a licensed therapy for people with secondary progressive disease. Now, I don't know if you're aware, but if you are a person with MS living in the United Kingdom, particularly in England, if you develop secondary progressive disease as defined by your clinician, your neurologist, or you end up having to use a wheelchair, we have to stop 
acute disease modifying treatments. You're not allowed to continue them under the stopping criteria. And this is another opportunity for testing natalizumab. So what you could do is a randomized um, withdrawal study. In other words, people who are secondary progressive in a wheel or in a wheelchair and need to stop their DMT, what you do is you stop their DMT and you randomize them to switching onto natalizumab or onto placebo. And then you see how they do. And obviously that tests whether or not they still need to go onto a disease-modifying therapy. And so that's another trial design that could potentially come out of these insights that would at least prove that we do need to continue treating uh, MS beyond being diagnosed as secondary progressive or being diagnosed as um, uh, too disabled to, 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 to worry about. Um, please feel free to uh, ask questions, leave comments. And as always, I just encourage you, if you can afford to, to subscribe to the MSLFI. Um, the money is being used to uh, develop and build a, um, uh, a companion website to try and curate this information into a format that's easily accessible and searchable for people with multiple sclerosis. Thank you.